enjoy this message preached by Deborah Perkins at Indian Lake Church in Worcester, Massachusetts on December 1st, 2019. Just as we were worshiping, I feel like the Lord is saying, call my people up higher. Call my people up higher. Come up higher. And there's a scripture in Joshua 15, 19 that says that the daughter of Caleb, you remember Joshua and Caleb, how they entered into the promised land. And the daughter of Caleb, who obviously would have that generational blessing, right? She goes to her father at one point after a battle and she says, you've already given me land, but I want you to give me the springs. And I don't want just the lower springs, I want the upper springs. And as we were worshiping, I just felt like he was saying, ask me for the springs. Ask me for the lower springs. Ask me for the land. Ask me for the upper springs. Come up higher. Come up higher. This isn't my message, but come up higher. Amen? Come up higher. Come up higher. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord right now. Let's just pray. Just pray in the spirit. Ask the Lord. Give me the land that you promised me. Say it. Give me the land, Lord. Give me the springs of water, living water. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We need that boldness. We, see, we need that same boldness that Caleb had and his daughter had to keep going before the Lord. The veil is torn. We keep going in. We keep asking for more and more and more. I was talking with somebody a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about our relationship with the Lord. And, and uh, I mentioned something about, uh, you know, that at one point I, I woke up one morning. I felt like the Lord said, come and sit with me and just have a cup of tea. Just have a cup of tea with me. And for those of you teachers, just bear with me. I, I am more prophetic, and so I, and some of this might sound a little far out to you, but just bear with me. This is just my history with the Lord. But I just felt like he said, just sit with me. Just sit with me. Just get into my word, you know? And this gal has said to me, he said that to you? He said to have a cup of tea? And I'm like, yeah, you know? Because he longs for fellowship with us just like we long for fellowship with him. So he's saying, come up higher. You're never going to exhaust that knowledge of him. You're never going to know everything about him. Even when we're in heaven, it's, you know, I heard somebody say, I think it was Todd Bentley said one time, you know, when you're in heaven, they're saying, holy, holy, holy. Because every time he turns around, you see something new. Every time he turns around, you go, holy, holy, holy. You know, because it's just, just there's just no end he's infinite he's unknowable everything is unfathomable in the kingdom of god it's beyond our imagination even i think when we get to heaven it'll still be beyond our imagination i hope it is i hope it's a lot of fun i hope it's a lot of fun i hope we just drink from that river and celebrate him for the rest of our lives i do wow <laughs> anyway this morning um Every, every year, I, I do a, a number of prayer retreats, one especially in uh, sometime between September and December. I like to go away and just ask him, you know, what are you doing in the coming year? What's, what's ahead for us? What do we need to be aware of? And so in September, right around the Jewish New Year, um, actually on the Jewish New Year, he, he had me go to Northfield, Massachusetts. I can't talk. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Which <laughs> some of you have been there. I'm sorry, I get excited. Um, some of you have been there. There have been a lot of uh, Christian conferences out there lately, people praying for revival and um, just believing God to, to pour out more of his spirit, state, and nation. And so I always ask him, you know, where do you want me to go? It's different every time. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know any place out there. And he took me to an Airbnb 
and um, it turned out to be just so prophetic, everything prophetic, you know? Um, but this, for those of you who aren't familiar with that area, Dwight Moody in the 1800s, he was born and raised there. And um, before he traveled internationally, you know, he was, he was born in Northfield. You can go and you can see the house where he grew up. You can see his grave site and his wife's grave. And so I just felt that the Lord wanted me to walk the land and to pray. It was just a, you know, a scenic place, very beautiful, the mountains all around, you know, it's a beautiful time of year. And, and so I was out there praying. And one of the things that struck me about Moody as I researched him a little bit is that he grew up in total poverty. He was the sixth of seven children and his father died when he was four years old. He had only the equivalent of a fifth grade education. And God took this man because of his passion for Jesus all around the world, especially England, United States. He's, he built a Bible school that's still there. It's still there. He's still training kids, you know. And, and he was a mere man. He was just a man. But he was a man on fire with Jesus. And that passion for Jesus changed so many people so many people he had nothing in the natural but he had everything in the spirit and i just love that and so i was praying i was just walking the grounds i was just praying along those lines lord just fill us fill our church fill our land fill me you know just revive us lord revive us again help us to be passionate about you help us to love you you know like moody loved you like so many people that have gone before us have loved you you know, help us to step into that place of really being alive and awakened, an awakened bride. You know, and I was praying, oh God, just stir up the wells of revival. You know, what was here before, stir it up again, Lord. Stir up those wells, you know, and I'm just praying, praying. So the first night that I was there, I went back to my, my Airbnb, to this room that I had rented. It was just an upstairs room in someone's house. I didn't know the people. And, um, and I'm praying along these lines. I'm just, I'm doing just like I am now. I'm just pacing the floor and I'm praying, oh Lord, you know, open up the wells, open up the wells. And all of a sudden I stopped and I opened my eyes and right in front of me, can you put the picture up, Caleb? Right in front of me, and I had not seen it before, was a well bucket. That was it. That's, that's the room where I was. And that was in my room. Randomly picked this Airbnb. But God knew I was going to be there. And he knew what I was going to bring. So you could do the next picture as well. On the side of the bucket, you can see it has Chinese characters on it, you know, which spoke to me of the nations. You know, and I, it just, it's little things like these that make me love Jesus so much. I love him so much. You can't, you can't make that up. You can't, no one could have planned that. I couldn't have planned that. And that this is just one thing that happened. So anyway, I just felt like the Lord was saying, you know, you are the revival. You are the bucket. You were more than that. But you are the bucket. You are the living water. You are the, you are the, the spring that flows, you know, out of your heart flow those issues of life the issues of living water. You are the revival. We pray for revival because we want to see it on a large scale, but we are the revival. So again, I feel like the Lord is saying, come up higher. Come up higher. Don't settle where you are. Ask me for the upper springs. Ask me for more. Go deeper. You can't go deep enough in his well to exhaust it. It never runs dry. 
Amen. Somebody say amen. He never runs dry. He never runs dry. There's always going to be more for you. The only thing holding you back is you. Because he has freely given us everything. The veil is torn. The way is open. And his heart is to pour out as much as you can contain. As much as you can contain. And more. Overflowing. Overflowing grace. Overflow. We need to break out of these mindsets. And one of the things that I feel that he is saying for the coming year is that he wants to break these lies off of our mind. You know, the bride has been held in a place of, the, the bride meaning the body of Christ, has been held in a place of captivity in her thinking. She's been held in a place of feeling unworthy. She's been held down by condemnation and by hurt and by woundedness, even from, you know, Christians, fellow Christians people in authority, and God wants to break all that off of us. Because it's not his desire that we stay there. It's not his desire that we be held under. It's his desire that we rise up. And he says, arise, come away. So as I was driving out to Northfield, um, I had a, you know, my GPS, a little notification popped up on my phone and it said, you know, things to do in the area while you're in Northfield. Um, has anybody ever been out that way? Do you know where I'm talking about? You went out there? Fred's been out there. Jan, okay. So so it says things to do in this area and, it, and there was this little place called the Poet's Seat Tower and it just caught my eye. I mean, I'm just driving out there. I had a plan except to go and pray. There's nothing on my agenda. I, you know, it's just the Lord's time. But I, every time I've done this, every time I've gone away in obedience to him and just stepped into that kind of a place of retreat with him, it's it, everything just sinks in the spirit. You know, just like when you have your quiet time, you step into the spirit, things just start to sink. And so things were starting to sink. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this one. I'm like, Poet Seat Tower, what's that? And it just intrigued me. And I'm a very curious person, and I couldn't let it go. I just could not drop it. I'm like, I've got to go. I've got to go see this place. I'm like, I'm sorry, God. I got to go here first. I'll, I'll get there. I'm gonna come. I'm good. I promise. But I gotta go see this first. Well, I didn't know it was him, right? <laughs> so I drive to the Poet Seat Tower, which is in the town of Greenfield. It's about like three miles away. And uh, Kayla, can you put up the picture of the tower? This is this is the tower. And it was built in 1879 and then rebuilt in 1912. And it just, it was just fun. It was, I'm an intercessor, I like to pray. And so this was like a watchtower. You know, you go up a spiral staircase to the top and you can, you can see all around. Caleb, go ahead and flip through some of the pictures. That's, that's just halfway up. Beautiful views, you know. That's the view from the top. You could, that's the town of Greenfield right there. I think that's, um, was that the last one? Yeah. So anyway, just a beautiful place. You know, for, for a prophetic person like me, it's a fun place to go and just pray and make prophetic decrees and, you know, all that, all that fun stuff, right? So, <laughs> so I'm just praying. I'm just praying, you know, over our nation. So as I'm doing this, I look down. And on the ledge at the top of this watchtower was a message. Can you put that up, Kayla? The, uh, you are loved. So you could look at this and say, oh, that's just graffiti. But it was the only message written up there. There was no other graffiti on that tower. And it says, you are loved. 
And I knew, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, no, this was God. I was yes. supposed to be here. I was supposed to be here. It just rang in my spirit that he was saying, you are loved. You are loved. And so from that point, he just began to unfold much of the prophetic word that I'm going to share with you in a minute, just uh, all about Song of Solomon and his love for his bride and his desire for us to come in closer and to come up higher. So I went from here, the top of the tower, I went back down the tower, and I decided to walk around the cliffs, which um, surround the areas, uh, woods and rocks, and you can still see around the area. So as I'm walking, I look in front of me, and there are two doves on the rock. And immediately, Song of, Song of, Song of Solomon came to me. Chapter 2, verse 14. Oh, my dove, hidden in the cleft of the rock. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Right? You are lovely. So, and I'm, I'm just blowing now. I'm like, wow, God, that's just awesome. You know? So I, I hiked a little bit, and um, I'm telling you this story also because I, I feel like um, prayer sometimes to people seems very dry. For me, it's, it's not dry. I feel like we don't realize sometimes how completely engaged with our lives Jesus is. You know, we think, oh, i got to pray for 15 minutes, or i got to sit here and not do anything else and get with God. And God's like, no, open your eyes. Look around. I'm here. I'm here. You know? And, and if, as soon as you sync with him, it's so much fun. It's such, it's such a different, my, it was one of my favorite movies. At one point she's asked, you know, if, you know where, where you would pray or whatever, and she says, oh, if I were gonna pray, I would go outside in the great outdoors. And I'm like, yes, that's it, that's me. You know, because it's just, you need room. You need room for your imagination to soar yeah. sometimes. Jesus isn't confined to the chair that you're sitting at at your kitchen table. He's just not. He's so much bigger than that. And he wants you to feel bigger than that. He wants you to be, um, you know, just empowered to do great things all over the nation, you know, wherever you go. Amen. Amen. So I, I'm, I, I hiked down, and then I, I decided to hike back to the car. And as I'm going back to the car, these are, these are signs and wonders that are happening. Jesus is just doing this. Before he even spoke a word out of the word, he gave me three, actually, three prophetic signs. This, and then the doves. And then the third thing was, as I got back to near the tower, there was a father, and he was walking with his two daughters, who were like maybe six and three. And the younger daughter was a Down syndrome child, you know, obvious, obvious features and everything, but just so full of love and joy. You could see it all over her face. So as I'm walking back to the tower, they were walking out to do kind of a hike. And the, the little girl, the Down syndrome child, who was about three, she saw me. And I mean, I've never seen these people before, right? I'm in a totally different area. She ran up to me, ran straight to my knees, and embraced me. And so I just kind of stopped, and I'm like, oh, you know, it's just a little cute, you know, a little sweet face looking up at me, and I'm like, oh, hello, you know? And then her sister, the older sister, had gone past me already. She saw what happened. She turned around, came back, and hugged me from behind. Wow. And the father's just standing there going, oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't know this before. And I'm standing there, and as they, they literally encompassed me, and I knew it was the love of the father. Yes. 
It was just for me, but it was for you too. It's the love of the Father. He encompasses us with his love. He draws us with cords of loving kindness. You know, and he'll use those types of things to show us how much we need to him. So they just, I mean, I don't know how long it felt like an eternity. They just stood there embracing me. I didn't know what to do, and he didn't know what to do, and I'm just, you know. <laughs> it was great. So anyway, at, at some point, we, we uh, left, and I went back to my, my room and began to really seek the Lord about what he had prophetically to say. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to do this, but, um, you know, going back to Moody, I, I feel like we need to remember that what we say is, is not based on the wisdom of the world. You know, what I share with you, it's the wisdom of God. Amen. It's not perceived by the natural mind. Like I said, you can look at that and say, oh, it's just graffiti. But in the spirit, you know when Jesus is talking to you. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. Every single one of you has the capability to hear the voice of God. And you will hear the voice of God as you step higher with him, as you step deeper with him, as you continue to seek him. There's no limit to what he will tell you. But the wisdom of God is different from, from the wisdom of man. And we need to remember that sometimes it will feel strange. It will feel different. Because it's not how we normally operate in our flesh. Amen? So don't be afraid to step out and take those risks. You know, don't be afraid to, to follow something just like I did. You know, why am I drawn to this? I just feel drawn to this. Because he leads us. He leads us from our hearts, too. You know, the things that you're good at, the things that you're gifted at doing. You know, like, like Fred with engineering, you know, you could say, oh, well, that's not very spiritual. But you know what? For him, it's spiritual. For him, he sees his, his uh, signs and wonders happen at work. That's where God leads him. You know, for me, it's different. But for him, it's, he, he's got a mathematical mind. God has gifted him with that, you know. Or, you know, Tim, he's a teacher. He, he's, he just receives from the Lord in a whole different way. But however you're wired, however you know the voice of the Lord, as you build on that, he will draw you closer and closer and closer. So for me, this is this is how I work. So as I sat down, he was um, he was speaking to me about the uh, Song of Solomon, and one of the things that that I noticed as I reread the Song of Songs is that in the very beginning, the Shulamite, the bride, is reluctant to go with Jesus. She knows Jesus, and she loves Jesus. She talks about her love for Jesus. So she's a, a believer, you know, in a New Testament sense. But when he comes and he says, you know, I want to go to the mountains. I want to go check on the vineyards. And she says, no, no, you go. She says, turn, be like a deer on the mountains. And she stays and he goes. And she loses him for a minute, right? You remember what I'm talking about? Anybody read this? Anybody read Song of Songs? So, so she loses him for a moment. And of course, he comes back and, you know, and whatever. But um, she says, be, you know, until the day breaks, until the shadows flee. She talks about herself being dark but lovely. And all of these things are, it's a highly symbolic book, but all of these things are symbolic of her reluctance to follow because of her awareness of her sin. 
I am dark but lovely. I know I'm loved, but I also know I have a real struggle with the sin in my life. I know I'm loved, but I've been taking care of other people's vineyards and not my own. So there's this place of, of um, settling where she is. You know, she's settled at a lower level. And the Lord's saying, come with me. Come with me. You know, we have work to do. I want to show you the vineyards. I want to do this. I want to catch the little foxes. And, you know, and she says, go. Because she's just not ready to partner with him yet. And the Lord is saying to us this morning, I am, I'm your partner. I am your partner. And this is not a business contract, Okay. I mean, you can, you, can see, you can see the word is that. You can see that God calls us to pray for the laborers and we need to bring in the harvest and all of those things. But when God says he's your partner, he's talking about a marriage covenant. Amen. He's talking about marriage. And some of us get scared because we think, whoa, that's deep. <laughs> that's too much, Lord. I'm not sure I'm ready to make that commitment, you know? And maybe that's a sign of our of our younger generations today that it's, it's taking them longer and longer to commit because they've seen bad examples or they've been hurt. You know, I saw my parents divorce. I saw what love didn't look like. And so God had to show me what it did look like for me to really follow him. And so this is what the Lord is saying about this coming year, that he's, the words that he speaks to the bride in Song of Solomon are going to be spoken over you. I'm going to read some of them to you in just a minute. But as he reads these words, I felt like he was saying, I'm going to shatter. I'm just going to shatter all of the lies that the enemy has used to harm. I'm going to shatter all the false beliefs that you have that keep you from understanding that you are my partner. You are my spouse. You are my bride. In the Passion Translation, it actually says, my sister, my spouse, my bride, my equal, my equal. Most of us don't think of ourselves as being equal with God because it sounds so sacrilegious. But when you're married to someone, you have all the rights and privileges that that person has. You can sign the name of Jesus over any document in the spirit and see that victory. He gives you that kind of power. There is power in the name of Jesus. But we're so afraid to take it and stand in it that we're not actually accomplishing all that we could do. And this is not a this is not a, a condemnation. I'm just saying what I what I sense from the Lord is that it's time. It's time for us to arise, for the beloved to arise and to stand in her rightful place and know that she is the bride and she carries that weight and that authority. She has the checkbook and she can write the checks. Yeah. Woo. Amen. Woo. 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 Amen. So I will, read, um, I will read some of this to you. In this new era and new season, this is the Lord speaking to me, okay, in my prayer time. And again, if, I know it's a little out there for some of you, but that's okay. In this new era and new season, I will shift the body of Christ out of a place of despair and distress into a season of joy and great value. For I would again reveal to my bride the value I place on her, her love, her devotion, and her sacrifice. In previous seasons, my bride was undervalued by man. The coming season will be an era of great glory, marked by a display of my favor upon my beloved one. I will destroy the lies of the enemy about the condition of my bride with the words of my mouth. 
So again, this is not something that you are doing. This is something that he is doing. My words will always take precedence. Anything that the enemy has told you cannot stand in the presence of the Lord. His word supersedes every negative word that has been spoken over you. I break the power of every negative word that the enemy has spoken over you right now in the name of Jesus, telling you that you can't get up, you can't arise. The Bible says the righteous man gets up seven times. Seven is the number of perfection and completion. There is nothing that can hold you down when you are united with Jesus Christ. Every word of the bridegroom in Song of Songs will become a declaration of love and an explosion of empowerment over you. Make ready your garments. Make yourself ready as a bride adorns herself for her husband, for so you will adorn yourself for me. Let the love truths of my word demolish the hateful lies that your brothers and your enemy have spoken over you. Arise, my beloved, and come into the full understanding of who you are and what you mean to me. No more will I allow prior hurts to define you. No more will you speak of yourself as dark or damaged. For you will hear, and some of you will hear for the first time, the depth of my loving call to you, the sound of my voice, and even the sound of my whispers. This, this word... People, this word means so much to me. It means so much to me. I grew up in partial deafness. I know the struggle of not hearing. I know what it's like not to hear people, not to know what's going on, not to understand, to feel foolish and stupid, to say things and it's the wrong time. It's the wrong place. I know what that's like. And many of you experience that in the spirit. And I want to say to you that you do hear Jesus. You can hear Jesus. You just need to listen. You just need to listen and act on what you're hearing. And when you sync with him in your prayer time, everything is going to make sense. It's all going to come together. And you're going to see the kinds of signs and wonders that I saw on my retreat. You're going to see them and you're going to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that you are loved and that you are working with him, not against him. Sorry, that was free. My whispers in the night will shatter invisible words with which the enemy has encircled you. You will no longer hide behind the lattice, visible yet invisible, but will be released to come and follow after me. All that has held you back in previous seasons is gone. A new day has come. Arise, my love, and come away. What I want to do right now is I want to read from the Passion Translation. And I realize that this is, um, this is not a word-for-word -word translation of the Bible. It is a very symbolic and poetic poetic translation but are we okay with poetic this morning just for yeah. okay. you can listen to the teachers next week my husband's preaching next week you can listen to the teachers next week the literal teachers next week 
just close your eyes and just listen to this. These are the words of the bridegroom spoken over the bride in chapter 4 of Song of Songs. Every part of you is so beautiful, my darling. Perfect is your beauty without flaw within. Now you are ready, my bride, to come with me as we climb the highest peaks together. Come with me through the archway of trust. We will look down from the crest of the glistening mounts and from the summit of our sublime sanctuary. Together we will wage war in the lion's den and the leper's lair as they watch nightly for their prey. For you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes. I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, my bride. You leave me breathless. I am overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes, for you have stolen my heart. I am held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. Your love is the finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling. And your sweet, perfumed praises, so exotic, so pleasing. Your loving words are like the honeycomb to me. Your tongue releases milk and honey. For I find the promised land flowing within you. The fragrance of your worshiping love surrounds you with scented robes of white. My darling bride, my private paradise, fastened to my heart. A secret spring are you that no one else can have, my bubbling fountain hidden from public view. What a perfect partner now that I have you. Your inward life is now sprouting and bringing forth fruit. What a beautiful paradise unfolds within you. When I'm near you, I smell aromas of the finest spice. For many clusters of my exquisite fruit now grow within your inner garden. Here are the nine pomegranates of passion, henna from heaven, spikenard, so sweet, saffron shining, fragrant calamus from the cross, sacred cinnamon, branches of scented woods, myrrh like tears from a tree, and aloe as eagle wing. Your life flows into mine, pure as a garden spring. A well of living water springs up from within you, like a mountain brook flowing into my heart. This is what you do to Jesus, people. This is what you do to Jesus. Amen. You ravish his heart. You know, when we sing these songs, we're ravishing the heart of the bridegroom. He can't stand it. He can't stand it. He's so excited about you. He's so excited about you. And the response of the bride, after hearing these words of his, she says, then may your awakening breath blow upon my life until I'm fully yours. Breathe upon me with your spirit wind. Stir up the sweet spice of your life within me. Spare nothing as you make me your fruitful garden. Hold nothing back until I release your fragrance. Come walk with me as you walked with Adam in your paradise garden. 
Come, taste the fruits of your life in me. So the words of the bridegroom over the bride cause her to cry out for that awakening breath. She cries out for revival when she realizes that she's loved by the bridegroom. That's the key, people. That's what's going to change us from a complacent church to a revival church. Amen? Amen. We need to hear these words of love. Don't shy away from the love that Jesus has for you. And there's just one more thing I want to share with you. Actually, two things. Um, as I, when I came back from this retreat, I had lunch with a, a friend of mine who's an intercessor, prayer, a prayer person, and a, uh, she's also an artist, a prophetic artist. She likes to paint. Um, not Victoria, but <laughs> anyway. And, uh, <clears throat> and I, she said, gosh, Deb, you know what happened on your retreat? Tell me everything. She had been praying for me. Tell me what happened. Tell, what did he say? What did he say? You know, and so I start sharing, just just like I shared with you. I said, you know, this is what I feel like the Lord. One of the things that the Lord is doing. I'll I'll have more for you in the beginning of the year, but uh, the the bride piece is what I what I shared with her. And she was sitting there, her eyes got all big, and she said, I can't believe it. I said, what? And she said, I had a vision of that. She had a vision, and she hasn't painted it yet. I begged her to paint it, but she couldn't paint it in time for today. But anyway, she said I could try to describe it to you, so I'm going to try. But she had a vision of the bride. The dress that the bride was wearing was made of, like, stretchable leather. So, you know, like, almost like a spandex, but this fine fabric. And on the forearms, which is where you might have, I don't know what they're called in, in pieces of armor. Help me out if anybody knows this, but there, there's some kind of armor, like a shield or something. But on the forearms, on the dress were these spikes or studs that went out from the dress. Okay, this is just a picture that she's seeing in her mind. And so every time the bride worshiped, there was a secondary reaction. The bride is worshiping Jesus and she's focused on her lover, but as she worships, she's actually dispelling all of the work of the enemy. Because those spikes are cutting through the spiritual atmosphere and just dispersing, scattering the enemy. She's not even trying to go to war. She's not even holding the sword in this image. She's just doing what she does to love her bridegroom and automatically the forces of hell are being destroyed. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. I hope she paints it. I really hope she paints it. I gotta see that. That's awesome. So I'm going to close with just reading you a little bit more of what he said. What you see, decree. What you decree, you will see. If you say it, you will see it. Those who can boldly take their places beside me in the throne room of glory will have the privilege of seeing what they decree in the spirit come to pass on the earth. I want to co-labor with you to establish righteousness on earth, and this will require you to boldly take your authority in me and use it for good. Your place of prayer is your place of battle, and you have the privilege of sitting with the greatest general who ever lived (laughs) to see and receive my strategies for this hour. As you decree them, I will carry them out, for I have myriad troops at my disposal. Oh, yeah. 
The battle belongs to the Lord, but the secret strategies belong to you, the, pro the prophets. Every one of you is prophetic as you enter into your time with the Lord because every one of you hears from the Lord. And when you hear from the Lord, that is prophetic. Stop fighting what you can't change by natural means. Instead, use your right of access to me to employ the true warriors, my heavenly host. So we need, all I want you to remember from this, well, not all, but, but you know, the, the main takeaway here is that we need the prophets and the prayer warriors. We need the intercessors. We need the people who are uh, uh, tapping into that love relationship with their bridegroom this year, this coming year, because it's God's strategy that your intimacy will defeat the devil. Not your, you know, striving, not your battling, but that you step into that place, and we've heard this before from others, but you step into that place of authority and rule that is already yours. You're not trying to get there. He already has a covenant with you. You just need to stay there. Amen. So that's it. If anybody would like prayer, I am here, and I, I know we have people on the prayer team. If you would like to pray about your intimacy with the Lord or anything else, I'm happy to do that for you. But thank you for letting me share. Awesome. Awesome. Deborah's messages or to receive her free weekly blog, please visit www.hisinscriptions.com and click subscribe. God bless you.